0: John Eisen.
1: This is a podcast about challenges—the challenges we face as runners, from navigating our bodies, dealing with social dynamics, and facing personal trauma.
0: Yeah, welcome. Today we have a great episode for you. I—I I mean, I think it might be one of our best interviews for sure. Uh, we have our guest is none other than world-class ultramarathoner, adaptive athlete, um, and very nice guy, Dave Mackey.
1: Yes. And we definitely have to give a bit of context for this episode because we didn't wanna spend our time with Dave because we had limited time, um, as we do with these incredible humans. We have an hour to spend with them, and I didn't. we didn't wanna spend that hour rehashing stories that had already been told. However, we want to make sure that you're all prepared with context going into this, as we did jump around a bit.
0: Yeah. So, um, I think, so we do some intro with Dave, but then we get right into the meat of it and, um, she probably lets you know what that is. So go ahead, babe.
1: So in, um, May of 2015, Dave Mackey was out on a regular training run, a very um, normal day for him. He climbed Bear Peak, which happens to be the peak where John and I got married. We do love Bear Peak. We do. It's right outside our door. He was up on Bear Peak when um, normal rocks gave out from underneath him. And he fell and the rock that had given out from underneath him landed on his leg. It injured him. He had to be um, life flighted out of there by um, search and rescue and spent quite a bit of time in surgery trying to save that leg.
0: Yeah, this whole ordeal is uh, reasonably well documented in the documentary Lead Man, the Dave Mackey story. Definitely recommend that everyone go check that out. Yeah,
1: and we refer to that in this episode. So he spent a year working to try to rehab this leg, um, with which an infection and some other circumstances, which we'll talk about in the episode, led to his decision to get an amputation. Mm
0: -hmm. And post-amputation, he has come back to running. And uh, yeah, that that, um, documentary we just mentioned... Uh, details his first time doing Leadman after his uh, accident and uh, follow-on amputation, um, and he's since done Leadman many times. Uh, we really jump around in the interview, going from pre, from like his early days running, his heyday as a world-class athlete, um, the accident, and post-accident um, coming back to running.
1: Yeah, but we spend very little time describing what actually led to the accident. So we so, thought we yeah. needed to give some context here.
0: I think it's a really good interview. Dave is super sweet. He gets um, pretty emotional in the episode, and uh, I'm I'm excited for, to share it with you all. I think it'll be really great.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed my time with Dave. Uh, Summit also really enjoyed his time with Dave, so he makes regular appearances in the episode.
0: Yeah, Dave loves Summit, and Summit loves Dave. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they there are multiple interruptions due to Summit uh, during this episode. Uh, we should also mention there, despite this being one of our best interviews, um, there are also many audio issues. And this is my fault as the technical lead on running with the problems. <laughs> Uh, first of all, you'll notice Dave is a bit blown out. Um, his mic is uh, maxing out in the first couple minutes of the episode, but I fix it very quickly. So do not worry. Um, if you cannot understand him too well in the first couple minutes, he, uh, it is fixed very quickly. And
1: what happened is Dave came in and was very, um, you know, he's very even keeled, quiet, yeah, yeah, yeah. quiet um, mellow dude. And then when he, we got on the interview he really projected his voice.
0: Yep, spoke right into the mic and <laughs> um and I I had turned the gain up to like catch him. Yeah. And and then and then when when it came time to be on Dave was on and I was like oh the gain is way too high. So <laughs> so we we got that fixed pretty quickly. We had another snafu. Miranda's mic was turned around uh and these are all beam formed uh does, I'm not going to explain B-forming on the podcast, um, but mics can be directional and our mics are uh, set up to be directional. And so it was turned around, which means Miranda sounds distant. Which even, is so
1: rare. Even
0: I'm though she so is loud right next to the mic. Um, and this is fixed at around, I don't know, like 23 minutes into the interview. Um, so she'll be a little distance for the first half, but, but it'll be fixed at some point. And the volume is adjusted so that, uh, she should come through reasonably well. I uh, do apologize about those audio issues. We're doing our best over here.
1: <laughs> we're getting better and better. So yes. do please rate and review us.
0: <laughs> yeah. Give us a rating and review. We have, um, I believe we have six five-star reviews and one four-star review, but the four-star person did not leave any text. So I do not know what they were disappointed about. Well, maybe it's these audio issues. Four
1: stars is pretty good still. It's above (laughs) average. Is it? Yeah. I
0: don't know. I have high expectations. Okay. (laughs) It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, Yeah, uh, we got a bunch of future topics. We're going to try and bring on some race directors, um, some community leaders. uh, But right now we don't have any scheduled interviews, but we'll try to get one up for y'all. Uh, Maybe pull in some, uh, if there's any news on the UTMB saga, we'll pull it in. But so far, no news on that saga. Um, If you're interested in the UTMB story, I would highly recommend going and checking out Gary Robbins did an interview with, on the Free Trail podcast with Dylan Bowman. Um, So if you want to hear more about Gary Robbins, his impact, you know, his feelings on the impact of the whole UTMB Whistler saga, please go check that out.
1: We also do have an Instagram now.
0: Yes, at Running with Problems, uh, should be pretty re- easy to remember. Yeah. Come follow us
1: and DM us if you have uh, suggestions for future episodes. Dave Mackey also left me with some suggestions, so I've been uh, I haven't let john in on those suggestions oh my yeah, god do you want to do it
0: on air you're gonna tell me off air i'll
1: tell you off air
0: off air ooh. but we've
1: got some good suggestions for future episodes from dave mackey and we welcome audience feedback and let us know what you want to hear
0: yeah or if you want to be on the pod
1: oh yeah
0: definitely take those uh i think that's it um yeah matt beard did our music he's great go follow him on soundcloud yep anything else
1: let's get into dave
0: all right here's dave enjoy
1: Welcome Dave Mackey to the pod. And um, I could go on forever about your career. You've set numerous um, course records. You've um, ran some incredible routes, like a little known route, Rim to Rim to Rim, Mm -hmm. at the Grand Canyon, and formerly set the FKT for that. You were 2011 ultra marathoner of north america i could go on and on but i'll stop there and i'd love to hear maybe from you dave what are some of your top highlights of your career and and um why like what made those
2: some of your highlights of your running career uh yeah hi miranda (laughs) hey joe (laughs) um nice to uh hang out with you guys and your lovely um see kitchen space is fantastic and it's nice to have a dog around i love dogs
0: it makes
1: it appear every pod so he is under our feet right now for
2: the listeners yeah um so highlights i i guess we're gonna jump right into it uh, yeah. i mean thank you for having me and um i guess the number one i don't even know number one i mean for me i'm where I am right now I'm you know had a lot happen you know as far as I guess a running career mm-hmm. you know over 25 years or so and then of course the the you know the accident and stuff after so that I guess there's different phases to what you know I've been through as far as a running life and all the stuff that comes around it um I guess highlights I I mean for me it's uh probably the biggest highlight I mean if you want to talk about events we can go into that but for me it's it's kind of just trying to keep it more of like a steady um curve of you know just enjoying being out running and doing other sports skiing and biking and then the um you know the running events have kind of just kind of fallen in place um you know a certain time in my life and and there's there you know back in the you know late 90s even and 2000s and then and then um having that award you mentioned and then the, having yeah. the accident and so there's there's definitely certain um events that kind of stand out so which it, ones um i guess i could say my first ultra marathon was <laughs> the 1997 Pelle trail ultra which is a 50k out in the in western colorado oh. so that was the the first one, which wasn't that big of a jump, because I'd done a couple of trail marathons before mm-hmm. that, um, you know, back in back then, you know, ultra-marathoning wasn't nearly what it was now. It was uh, maybe, a, uh, you know, fringe sport, you know, fringe people kind of doing it. You know, some names you can recognize now, I mean, you know, Scott Shurik and Ian Torrance and... Um, Tackle Box, who ran for a Montreal back in the day.
0: Tackle box? <laughs>
2: yeah, you could look that one up. Okay. <laughs> the ones right. the ones who know will know who that is. And um,
1: how did you get into running?
2: Um, I was a uh I went to college in New Hampshire at the University of New Hampshire and I just got into trail running more as a, a method to stay in, in shape or soccer. Mm. Um, in high school and then in, in college in New Hampshire. And, um, and there are trails around the University of New Hampshire, so I ran there. And then I moved out to Colorado um, when I graduated. Uh, I lived in Breckenridge for a couple of years mm-hmm. and just ran the trails there to stay in shape. Um, and then the first trail race, I think, was the Leadville Half Marathon. Then I ran the Breckenridge Crest Marathon in its first year in '95, And then... You know Gradually, kind of like you, Miranda, yeah. are kind of where you are working your way up through. It took me probably six years or so to get to 100 miles. But I did run a 50K in 97, that Coca Pali race, and then a 50 mile in uh, 2001 or two That's the San Juan Solstice 50 miler. Oh, wow. That was my first 50 miler. Oh, it was? Cool. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A very
1: beast of a 50 miler. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah it was I i loved that race back then i've never been back which is kind of unfortunate but
0: how was your experience with it
1: it was really freaking hard yeah i <laughs> uh, we
0: went on a dry year yeah. so it wasn't there wasn't very much snow
1: yeah at least there was that mm-hmm. but um i wanted to run a 50 miler and um i was like how about John was like, I'll do one with you. And I was like, how about a, like a California groomer, like um, Catalina <laughs> Island, Avalon mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And John j- just kept being like, or San Juan Solstice. Mm-hmm. And cool. then he just started saying things to people like, Miranda and I are doing San Juan Solstice. We're... And I was like, I, I guess I'm doing this phrase. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Good deal. I don't regret
2: it, but you did it. it was you did really great. hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was for me too. Yeah. I, I, I won it, which is a total surprise. I had no idea what I was getting into. Oh Maybe God, like amazing. your experience. Yeah. Um, and then it took me three more years to run hundred miles after that in 20, in 2004 at Western States. And, um, <gasps> yeah, so I kind of, and then it was like adventure racing, which is multi-sport racing and you did the
0: eco challenges back then right um no
2: no, no i never done the eco challenge race um it was like the raid that it was called back then so very similar mm. in, in difficulty and to the eco challenge same type of format with you know like like more than five days like how long are these uh these yeah five to ten days five usually. to ten days wow yeah there, there are a few other like similar is events
1: do you do them with a team or is it just you
2: it it's a team yeah there there's always one to two like two teammates at minimum but usually four is like the expedition type race uh format like eco challenges and then i think it was called the the world's toughest race which you can look up on amazon Mm -hmm. if you've seen those oh yeah
0: uh... i saw that one yeah Uh, i was i was listening to a podcast with some one of the competitors who said that like well wasn't weren't they planning another one in patagonia yeah, and, and were were yeah. you supposed to do that?
2: Um, yeah, so the the one on Amazon is you know Travis Travis Macy, his dad yeah. Mark, and then uh, Shane Siegel and El Balungi all raced together. I I was going to do it with them, but I couldn't because of like family work stuff. Mm. But um, yeah, but if you if anybody on the podcast podcast wants to look that up, you know, world's toughest race, it's on Amazon. Which I'm not a big proponent of Amazon, but saying that's where it is now. <laughs> but if you want to look a really at really great. Like, they film it really well. Yeah, they did, they did a really good job. And and Travis and his dad, who has Alzheimer's diseases, um, they're really featured in that. As well as, I mean, all the, or many of the, you know, people who are pretty inspirational in adventure racing were at that race. So if you want to, you yeah. ultra runners out there, trail runners, you know, if you want to look for something, you know, multi-sport you know there's still other races like that out there even if they're you know one day or 24 hours you can ride bikes and paddle stuff and go to different countries you probably have that motivation already being a
0: runner i i kind of want to get miranda into adventure racing Mm -hmm. because i'm big on navigation and um you know bushwhacking and stuff and so all we would have to do is learn how to bike well and yeah. get and obviously get matching kits. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so fun. You know, if
2: you, if you know you break from running, you can yeah, ride mountain bikes all around here and get your training and get better at it.
1: Now, so as like a runner who's you're competitive, you just you're winning San Juan Solstice, and you're going into these adventure races, did you find it frustrating to be with teammates at times? where
2: you had to rely on them as well? No. Um, well, I mean, it, it, no matter what, it, it, I, I mean, every team probably has different experience, but mm-hmm. those races bring out the best and worst in people. Mm-hmm. So you learn a lot about each other and you, know, you learn you know, when you're you know, five or six days in and sleep deprived. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you're on a hundred mile or you get a touch of what that is, but when you're five days in, it's kind of probably another level. You know mm-hmm. you and you have to make choices you have to navigate yeah. a lot of decision making in the middle of the night and and pressure to make cut-offs and yeah so you you kind of find out and myself included like what your dark side is <laughs> or what your good side is and um yeah you have difficult experiences but yeah. um you know you if you, you get more sleep then you probably won't see those sides as much <laughs> yeah but it's, it's definitely down interesting. to the sleep <laughs>
0: definitely always
2: yeah but that's a sport you know it was back back then for me and mm-hmm. um that was kind of just a a basis for also doing trail running on top of it yeah so, sure. yeah
1: is your um wife an athlete as well
2: uh yeah she does um uh, she does runs you know most days and you know, more recreational mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Did
1: she ever do the adventure racing with you? No, never. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nope Darn no. it. I wanted Jeez. some insight on how that would go. <laughs>
2: yeah. Most people are smart. probably great.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We never never have. no. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. so um yeah, I I guess in I guess we're bearing the lead, but in in twenty fifteen you experienced a uh like a quite a change to your your life as, as you knew it, right? And you went through a long process of deciding what to do. Now, every time I've I've heard about you, we have people talk about Dave Mackey. And uh, you know, a lot of what we hear is just like, you know, where you are now. Mm-hmm. But what I guess, you know, I I've learned that there's there was something like like a year and a half in between the accident and deciding to amputate your leg. Mm -hmm. What, what went on then? Like, was it, was it all just like moment to moment? How am I going to get through this? Or was there periods of just like coming to some decision about what the best thing was in your life? Like the, I, I guess, I guess it's a pretty deep question, Uh, but, um, yeah, like I, I, you know, I think it all culminates for me. is just like, how do you decide to 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 amputate your leg yeah. i I don't know did i jump the gun with that question <laughs> i probably did
2: that's all
1: right i think we all can right. go there
0: <laughs> yeah it's fine yeah so
2: yeah november one so you can know, like a couple days ago um that's yeah, when i that's the anniversary of uh-huh. uh losing my leg so the um that was like yeah so seven years ago so yeah it was a big decision yeah but the it was still a logical one, you know, going back mm-hmm. to, you know, what it took to decide that. So the, um, the, you know, the accident happened and then I probably didn't have the best medical care in the initial part of it. And so that led mm-hmm. to infection. And then that kind of led to a series of events. You know, over, you know after three months, it was, um, you know, I thought, oh yeah, I'm not gonna lose my leg because I still, you know, had everything. I and mean, I had the early surgeries. But then the infection is what led to the, the eventual decision. Mm. Um, so it, it was, at a certain point, like two months before that, it was like, it was perfectly logical, you know, because I had this infection and I had bones that weren't healing. There was a, a graft in the in my left tibia that just was probably not gonna heal. And so there were options, you know, besides taking your leg off, I could have had more surgeries, I could have had, um this process where they gradually grow bone in and, and expand the the tibia length over a couple of years and then to oh, so living yeah. with that but i also had scar tissue in the leg that was not going to go away and the you know the pain probably wasn't going to go away wow i was using a cane at the time and so it was like well you know do i move on at this point you know or do i choose the other outcomes with with much less likely you know good outcomes and so it was it, it was kind of a logical decision I, I remember in September of 2016 of, of finally making the decision like wow actually even before the invitation I realized it was probably the best choice so right. and then um yeah because once you do that the problem is is gone basically you know you have to adapt all this other stuff which took time but I kind of knew because I work in medicine it's like well you know I'll get to that point at some sometime.
1: Right. So then you had a more, a more linear path to healing and recovery and back to activity.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I knew there'd be a lot of challenges, but I knew, <clears throat> excuse me, because I worked with adaptive athletes. Well, actually when I lived in Brackenridge at the Brackenridge Outdoor Education Center, and then, you know, cause I work as a PA, I, I, you know, I knew what it would take to get back and I knew, you know, athletes who had, um, you know, disabilities and amputations and that, you know, your life doesn't end. It's just, you know, figuring out the technology and the equipment and then dealing with kind of the interface of your your leg with the, you know, prosthetic parts and figuring mm-hmm. that out.
0: So you had and, like, you had some secondhand experience with people who would be in a similar situation to where you were going to be when you made that decision. Yeah. So you had some idea of where you were going to be from a physical, like operating operating standpoint, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah, and I knew I knew it wouldn't be easy, but I knew it probably eventually get there. But the the alternative was was not really desirable, you know, at yeah. all. Because so I knew, you know, where I was with. Um, you know, having kids, having, you know, we all like to ski before the accident, Mm -hmm. you know, they're active. And, you know, it wasn't like running was my life. And I wanted to like cut the thing off and go for an ultra run that was not in the cards and everything beyond was uncertain. You know, like I wouldn't know that I'd ever run Leadville again. That was, you know, or any other race for that matter. But it was more of a likelihood that I get there. Otherwise, it was like, no, you're not going to get there. And yeah it's quality of life basically yeah yeah
1: and then you make this really impressive decision to come back to running and not just running but running the uh lead man or lead challenge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That say that right yeah the lead sure. challenge the lead change um, so, uh, <laughs> uh,
0: that's a that is a set of races in uh in the leadville trail series uh Almost all of them taking place. I believe they all take place in Leadville or mm-hmm. around Leadville. Um, some biking and some running.
1: But really intense, like. Running. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, you're talking about like what five events mm-hmm. in two and a half months, three months, something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah.
2: true? Yeah. Yeah. There's a trail marathon in um, in June. And then two or two, three weeks later, there's the. You can do either the 50 mile mountain run or the 50 mile mountain bike, or do both, which you know, I did, you know, I think the first year I chose through both. And then the 100 mountain bike race, 10K the next day, and then the 100 run. Oh, wow. my gosh. Yeah. Which you can all do, by yes. the way. <laughs> Anybody who runs a 100 milers can do those, those races. So if you want to, <laughs> <laughs> both of you, if you want to do it, that's actually a really good, you know, leapfrog onto an adventure race or just you know just have to learn how to stay on the mountain bike yeah that's that's, yeah you have to have a skill set for that one but otherwise you're physically capable of
1: falling off a mountain bike i want my teeth in my face yeah so i like need one of those helmets that wrap all around my face and protect it (laughs) sure some people do that Uh, um but what i'm really curious about is your mentality coming back into running. Because what I've seen with elite runners that sometimes will suffer a big setback, um, they can never come back or they make a decision that if they can't be competitive, they don't want to be in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, And I feel like a great sense of loss from them to not have that competitive edge anymore. And I'm wondering... Uh, what your mentality
2: was returning to running um yeah the the i guess one thing i was good at you know before max and even like now and afterward is showing up and you know i like running i like training um you know if i don't do i don't do ever you know i don't go for a run every day but if i don't do it like most days of the week then We all get kind of itchy and (laughs) so for me it was you know before the accident that's how it was and it's like and i really enjoyed it and i still really enjoyed i still enjoy running and you know going for bike rides when i can um so just showing up and that's that's what i was about and um i'll probably be that that way the rest of my life you know and i you know there's there's other outdoor sports too besides running and what (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh like skiing and backcountry skiing and you know yeah. those the yeah skiing and biking and, and running are a good basis but I, i've been good about showing up for those things so i mean really i hear what you're saying about you know the it's it's hard when certain runners meet you a certain peak and in, in ultra right. running or trail running it's it's so hard to you know be like you know courtney DeWalter or, You know, or the top male athletes who who are staying like really good for a long time. Most aren't able to do that, and so some some drop off from being the top runners. But there are some out there who are who are still, you know, racing and competing, who are you know still top ten and who used to be at the top. But I really respect those runners who still go. You know, like I could name a a lot of names. You know, that's
0: true. I think it's you know similar to what you said. It's about like where. are these runners getting their motivation from Mm -hmm. and if they're motivated by beating other humans at a sport then as they drop off they'll they'll have a drop in motivation Mm -hmm. and but if they're motivated by being out there running and enjoying you know being outside or or whatever reasons they have there's many reasons to come and do these kinds of runs uh then though those motivations won't drop off as much Mm -hmm. right as you age and, um, yeah, maybe, maybe drop a couple spots off the podium. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, yeah, I like to see it when runner, when, when elites are still, still running after. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't
1: win races, so I'm not, I've never like known that. I have no fear of like losing that motivation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but I'm really curious about that. Like Mm -hmm. how, how people are so... Um, externally motivated by winning these races and when they lose that what then do they turn to but it seems like you didn't didn't really have that like your motivation was already still there just being outdoors and activity being a part of your lifestyle Mm -hmm. and you were just naturally winning the races as a side effect is that right yeah yeah I
2: didn't didn't win everything and even you know you brought up my what, what my highlights were and like <laughs> yeah i some course records most of them are just shattered completely i don't even think any exist anymore <laughs> except for maybe like after 40 there's like an age group like at miwok 100k or something but mm-hmm. yeah but it's um yeah it's, it's definitely hopefully people can make it a lifetime sport but there are you know there are people still doing it, doing it who won race right? so like you know darcy pick you, and um you know oh yeah
0: she's still out there
2: rob carr raced this Mm -hmm. this past summer at leadville he almost set the record in the the lead challenge i i think he had trouble at the end of the 100 mile run but there's still you know people who are setting records are still getting out there there are
0: definitely exceptions
1: yeah yeah so um after
0: so can you turn your mic around it's backwards yeah
2: Oh. <laughs> so. So I like how, how Miranda has the pink. Yeah, has a microphone. Miranda, yes, for all the listeners,
0: Miranda sure. has a pink uh cover on her microphone. Uh yeah. I you like now you will now come in a little louder. I will have to adjust the audio. But oh. everyone's getting a little taste of what uh, of managing these things. Which Ed, <laughs> this is the first time this has happened though, in fifteen episodes. So, oh yeah. That we've had the microphone backwards. Okay, well. <laughs>
1: forward now so um when I was crewing for Barkley crewing John for Barkley yeah um I went on a hike up to the fire tower to watch John come in I wasn't even allowed to talk to him I could just like wave it's the rules the rules Barkley is all rules (laughs) and I was hiking with this Woman whose husband had um, suffered a really tragic skiing accident, uh-huh. which had left him with no feeling in his legs. But he had felt this, like almost this, this drive, this urge. This he was compelled to go back to the place where he had experienced that accident, oh. and so that was his drive to recover enough to go back to the spot where he had experienced that accident and ski it, even though um, a lot of people advised against it. Oh. And I was really curious, like, what what drove him to really feel like that need to go back there to that spot? <laughs> and I know from watching um, Lead Man, the Dave Mackey story, that you went back to Bear Peak. Mm-hmm. what, a couple months after your surgery? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you had that sort of feeling like, I need to go back here and see this spot.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was it was pretty important like, a couple months after the amputation to go back there. Absolutely. And, and I didn't plan on it. It just kind of happened when I, I went up to the peak and 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 saw, you know, where the accident happened. And um, yeah, I, I kind of wasn't, I didn't have an agenda. It was more just like this this felt right at the time and I was kind of ready to do it and the moment was right, so I went up there. Um, and then, yeah, kind of since then, too, it's been important to kind of revisit, you know, like a couple events and, you know, of course the, the Lead Man events and then I went back to the, the Bandera um, 100K, which I had run a couple of times and went there with them. Um, with Billy Yang and then a couple friends and, oh. and uh, the, I think some of the footage is on that video. Um, or maybe it's not actually. <laughs> but anyway, we went back there and, um, and saw it. And it's like, yeah, that's the, the stepping stones to getting back to where you want to be. And the, you know, the, the gentleman here talking about it. It's important, you know, to, to revisit those things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's still, it's, it's a process. It's, you know, for someone who, whether it's me or you know, the, you know, the gentleman you're talking about, mm-hmm. once you have some trauma for the right people or the right circumstances, depending on the trauma, it's probably good to go back and, and see those places and, and, yeah. you know, whether it's whatever point in recovery a person is, you know, and, and for me, it's because I wasn't born with, you know, a, 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 one leg, which some people are, you know, they've been amputated, there most of their lives, or since they were really young, uh-huh. um, but for for me, it's you because know, it's a certain you know sentinel event. It's kind of it's important to re- in, you know, revisit those places, and it's still like an evolving process. Now, even what seven or eight
0: years later, I'm still I'm still recovering from that. So, do you still climb the ledge system on the back of the peak? I'm sorry, what? Do you still climb the ledge system on the back of Bear Peak? Uh, I have not gone down that, no, no. no.
2: <laughs> it's, uh, it's different with a running blade, like, yeah. coming up there. Right. It's, it's running down, like, technical stuff is, is pretty challenging. Like, it's cobbles and whatnot, and I'm, and I'm good at it, but it's, it cannot go. I can run uphill, and I, I definitely see it on, like, when I'm running on, like, like, trails. Like, I can definitely pass people, but once I get to, like, down a downhill section, I mean, those technical parts is, is a little more challenging to think about each step. But the, um, yeah, so coming off the back of Bear Peak, I, I have no desire to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've good. tagged the summit budget, you know, many times since, but I not that section where I fell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no desire. No desire.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of well of down technicality and downhill, uh, so you uh, you attempted uh, High Lonesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A year ago, oh, yeah. year, and, year and a little bit ago, right? Uh, yeah, two years ago, a year and a half.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Twenty, twenty-two. Yeah, yeah.
2: That was that didn't go as well as I thought it would. It's the running with a a prosthetic. You have the the socket part which goes on the limb, and then you have the the blade which goes, you know, it's attached to the socket. So the um the socket is pretty important as far as the you know be able to run or even walk. And that's why it takes so long to you know, adapt to that and figure it out. Because it, your limb changes, your your skin is adapting, your your muscles are atrophying, which are still in there, you know, part of a calf muscle is still in there. So because of all those changes, your the um the calf is getting smaller, but the socket is staying the same, so it's like let's say your your foot is getting smaller inside your running shoe you know, every day not every day, but by week by week and it's like, Oh wow, this is not fitting right and so um I had a, a socket that wasn't it was probably too tight but I had a new one and it was way too tight for that event so sometimes you don't find out until like 10 or 15 miles in that it was probably a poor choice to actually use that one so anyway by 50k I was in way too much pain and uh yeah, yeah. it was just time to drop yeah maybe another time
0: Another time, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's
2: only I think what 150 runners who do that race. Oh, now we're up to 200 next year. Okay, 200. <laughs> yeah, I heard Taylor mentioned that in the podcast last, <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: last time, and I think wow, that's pretty special if <laughs> you can get into that race. Yeah, yeah, yeah high lonesome. Yeah. We love high lonesome in this race. We talk or in this podcast we talk about it a lot. Uh, but yeah, I love <laughs> that race. I think it's amazing. Um It is small. It's smaller than we'd like it, but you know, I we're. We'll get up to 250 in a few years, so we have like an increasing cap at the moment. Um, But yeah, Yeah. we'd love to see you back because that 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 downhill on Baldwin Gulch. Oh my god, that is just it's four thousand. It's four thousand feet. It's four thousand feet of just a four by four road with tons of little slippery rocks. Right? It's just yeah. It just goes
2: yeah. I know. And it, it depends on the every year. It's like, that was tough. That took it out of me. I, I wasn't ready for that. That's, that's probably the the descent that that crushed me. Yeah, and then you come into the you know, the mining towns and to back up and over and then by fifty K it's like, whoa. <laughs> Good news is that it supposedly gets easier after that,
0: but Yeah, I think the technicality of the course you don't have anything as like just slippery rocks, baby head rocks, um significant downhills. Like you only really have maybe two other significant downhills and they're both less technical mm-hmm. than that one. Um <clears throat> yeah, but there's a, still a lot of climb left in that yeah. race. Yeah. Um but yeah. yeah. So so I guess um you so you spoke a bit about like the the socket and so I guess I'm wondering, like, how does running with a blade, like, how do you, like, I guess, how does it work is, is kind of the, the naive question here, Mm -hmm. but like, you're like, what are you worried about? So when, when I get into ultra running, when, when a normal runner, we we have summit trying to bother everyone. He's now licking the microphone. Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, thank you summit. Thank you for being in the podcast. Uh, yeah. So when you get into ultra running. You know, you there's all these lessons you have to learn. Most people learn them by failing. That's traditionally the mechanism by or which we, we were learn. Were we
1: talking the other day? You can read an entire book on how to take care of your feet.
0: Yeah, there's a book about how to take care of your feet. I mm-hmm. have it. It's in my, but there, I don't. Is there a book about how to take care of your sock of your amputated socket? Or <laughs> ultra running? Yeah. yeah, no, no. There's no, and there's probably
2: only a couple people doing it, and so there's there's no. Yeah, there's a, I, as far as I know, maybe there's a book out there, but I, there's a, you know, amalgamation of um, prosthetists and you know handful of ultra runners who, you know, are familiar with or even want to run hundred miles after losing their leg, and so, um, no, it's a, it's kind of like figuring it out and hopefully having the right, you know, prosthetist and an inspiration to do that. So my, my prosthetist, um, Zach Harvey, has just been awesome with this guy. You know, he lives in Denver, and his wife's an amputee, actually. So, and he's an athlete. He's an Ironman athlete. And um, so he's been, you know, critical to me to getting, figuring this out. And he knows what it takes to do events and to run and to, like, what, you know, little mechanical adjustments to make to a socket because the fit is everything. It's like the fit of your shoe, right? And it's just and we, that's the interface. And so, you know, I've been fortunate to have him and you know his his wife to help me out with that. Um, and then there's other athletes too who are out there who I who I know who are who are doing it. And have Matt, um, and just knowing that they've been able to do it as well, um, it's really helpful. Especially as I as I've kind of I've kind of figured out a lot on my own as far as just going out there and. You know, trying to run and what works and what doesn't and what little adjustments to make. But, yeah, there's mm-hmm. no there's no manual about it because there yeah. aren't enough people doing it. It's like, I don't know what comp- comparison I could make, but it's, um, yeah, it's just trial and error and just being, trying to get out there. Mm-hmm. That's really it. Okay, Some of it. You just <laughs> crazy, crazy. You hear that sound in the background, everybody, that's a dog licking my, my
0: arm. He's cool. <laughs> he, he loves Dave. Summit loves Dave. Oh no. my god. Okay, all right. Summit is way too in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're not allowed on the table, dog. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it's there there are a handful of people
2: out there doing it. There were at, I think the Leadville races this summer, there were a couple of you know, a couple of adaptive athletes, four or five, and I think only one, or one got through the whole series, but it's, it's that hard to do it. And mm-hmm. I, I'm lucky, I don't know how I got through the first couple of years. This year, I, I, I did not do the 100 run because I, I did the 100 bike, and then I had other stuff I really wanted to do that weekend of the 100 run, like see my kids' soccer games. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I might go back again next year. But um,
0: yeah, it's just, you know, it's tough to, to figure it all out so what did you was it like an experience of learning did you feel like you have to relearn how to run
2: yes oh perfect yeah
0: that puts it perfectly it's it's
2: um yeah you w- learn how to put on the socket and how to walk and how to and if you want to run a couple months you know after like for me a couple months after the amputation i was able to run a little bit but then i got set back because of having so many problems And then uh, and that was in May, I think May, like four or five months after the amputation, I went for a run finally. And then I was like, screw it. I'm not. This is just I'm having too many problems. So I rode a bike a bunch, which is low impact, you know, just to stay sane. But then it wasn't until like November 2017. I I, um, was a mentor at the, the band of runners camp. And then it was like, you know, I'm just going to run. So what the heck? And it actually kind of worked. And that was kind of the inspiration to kind of do the the Bandera 50K, you know, in January right after that. But it was with, it took being with a bunch of runners to actually be like, yeah, I got to get up my ass and figure this out. And it was, you know, finally I figured it out.
0: Oh, yeah. So you, <laughs> some coming into it and going back. It's very interesting. I just does it involve more core strength or do you find that the musculature is different uh, running for, with a blade
2: yeah for everybody it's different um some runners from what i've heard have you know compensation issues with the other side of the body or just with that you know the one side of an, an amputation um and i mean there's so many you know dynamics of it, I and mean, right if leg. someone who has two legs and can just run, even they have problems. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes,
0: we do injuries all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. So yeah, so it's just individual, man. just like based on your own mechanics. I mean, where mm-hmm. where on your leg is your amputation? Is That's it below left, your
2: knee? Left um, BKA, so below the knee amputation. Below the knee. Okay um there's adam pop who was an army veteran he's a friend who lives here in golden he he just ran the um iron man sacramento oh wow like what two weekends ago and so for him you know he's above the knee amputee Ah. that's another set of dynamics because you're you don't have that knee joint um and i i'm I'm not him, so I don't know exactly all the subtleties. Right. But he he tried to run the you know the CCC race at, oh, yeah. at UTMB mm-hmm. like two years ago, and he had to drop out because of wall of footing. But he also had you know socket problems. But the you know once you change the the adaptive
0: aspect of it, your your problems you know, get better or worse. Right, you know. just different problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen this uh, old documentary? <laughs> okay, I don't... Yeah. I knew you are going to bring this up. laughing because <laughs> she knew I would ask this question. I think I know what you're bringing uh, up. It's called Ru- Running on the Sun. Uh, it's, oh. a, it's about the 2000 bad water. Okay. It's pretty... Pretty old by ultra oh. running standards, right? It's near the time I've when heard you started. I've never seen it. Okay. We should it has,
1: email Dave the
0: link. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. Yeah. With German subtitles, it's about or it's about the only version I can find online, whether you're paying for it or not. Uh-huh. Um, but it's uh, it's really really good. It's really well done. But it has two uh, amputated athletes running Badwater in yeah. that documentary. Oh my god! It's very it's very good. There's a lot of there's a a lot of blister photo filming in that documentary uh-huh. lots of up-close blisters <laughs> yeah wow uh-huh. or the terry fox story
2: have you seen that no i haven't seen the terry oh, fox terry story Fox. he's um he had cancer um but he was an amputee and um canadian uh guy he ran across canada but the terry fox story is is super inspirational I'm all right oh. we will link both of these in the show <laughs> <laughs> notes yes Terry. Yeah, he's He's not as maybe as well known in the U.S., but. He, and yeah. we
1: do these adventure movie nights with um, some of our run friends, our run community, where we'll ha- come over and have a potluck and watch an adventure movie. Uh huh. This sounds like the next adventure yes, movie night. Yes, we need to have movie. An adventure movie night.
0: Uh huh. Terry Fox.
1: Terry Fox. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, there's probably. I mean, there. I I hear about things like that people have done with one leg. That's kind of periphery because I. Well, for one, one, I'm not super tied into social media and, you know, the bigger, you know, community in some ways. But but then I hear about you know the Marathon de Sablo, which is you know oh, yeah. huge race in um, in Morocco, which I did right. But that was the last race I did before my accident. Oh wow! Um, in 2015, I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> for several reasons, because I had an accident, but there are people who do that with you know bilateral amputations and, wow. and here in the u s it's a you know it's a different community over there than here, but mm-hmm. there are people doing that stuff wow. around the world and it's, I may just have to look for it, but it's not as well known yeah, yeah,
1: when we had um Caitlin Yonke on it was mm-hmm. really i think an important conversation because she. Um, really dove into the details of how races can be um, more appealing to adaptive athletes Mm -hmm. and just create more accessibility from small things to large changes. It was, I think, really valuable conversation.
0: Yeah. She mentioned that Leadville does a good job with allowing adaptive athletes what they need. To yeah. compete, do you find that is that is that one of the reasons you keep going back? Thanks, um not,
2: back, Yeah, not. I I guess I I just kind of signed up and went, and I no one ever reached out to me from Leadville and say, hey, you know, hey, we've here. You can, we'll help you out with it because I didn't really need it. Yeah. But as far as yeah, because I have friends it's recruiting me. But um, mm-hmm. they're accepting at Leadville to people coming. I don't find them extremely proactive, quite frankly, as far as uh, encouraging adaptive athletes. I know this yeah. last summer, there were a couple athletes who were associated with Challenge Athletes Foundation who, who I do a little bit of stuff with you know, this past summer. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll help out. I'm sure if you reached out to the, the race director up there, she'd be happy to help out with whatever
0: well what is it about leadville that draws you back uh well it's here <laughs> it's, it's easy to get to <laughs> it's, it's, it it's, it's, a, it's oh, an, an easy two and a half two-ish <laughs> mile hour drive yeah i mean it,
2: i mean the good okay there we'll talk about Leadville, i guess the the there are many super great things about leadville there are other things they could probably do better just it's a series of out and back races like well, you got all these trails out there, you could do loops or do variations on these super cool areas. But um, you know, they have a history too, and they're trying to honor that and they have a product. Um, but I, I first when I first ran the light bulb mosquito marathon in the 90s it was actually it was super cool. You did like, you know, the single track out behind Prospect Mountain and then down behind Pia Pass and then back up and over. But that same race now race Like now you went
0: down to like, like Alma?
2: Toward Alma, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I forget the name of the mine back there. You'd drop off the edge of the, you know, snow cornice. And you had a rope line. Wow. And then you had you know, go down there. You'd run around and then back up and over and all these. Because, you know, I spent a lot of time in level besides the races. And it's, there's a lot of cool stuff up there. Um, but anyway, so that's, you know, they could do stuff with that. But they, um, you know, I keep going back because it's, it's just easy. Because I have, like, family and, you know, work life and stuff. And it's you know I'm kind of semi-adapted to altitude. But well, anyway. what's
1: next for you, Dave? What's on the 2024 race uh, calendar? Adventure um, racing.
2: Yeah, I so on the I guess I have to get. I think I'm going to run the Boston Marathon.
0: What? Oh, yeah. that that's a small race, right? Yeah, no one's heard <laughs> of that. Local local community there.
2: Yeah, I grew up in Maine, and then you know, like I mentioned, in school in have you in run Hampshire. before? No, that's oh. a problem. I, I can't believe I never ran it because my, yeah. growing up there, because my, you know, my friends, who did it. My brother's going to do it this spring. So he and I are going to finally do it. He and I ran the New York City Marathon back in the early 90s. Which
1: just happened, right? This weekend. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, um, I jumped in and, and bandited the race in 91 because I went to college. <laughs> I'm that old. Um, yeah, I jumped in and ran that with my brother back then. So I, I don't know, maybe I'll go back and run that one day, but yeah, Boston. And um, Willie Stewart, who's a, um, an old friend from when I worked at the Breckenridge Doctor Ed Center, he's a, an army amputee. He and I are going to um, do the Elk Mountain Grand Traverse ski race. Oh. Maybe, maybe you've heard of that. But I've heard of the Grand Traverse, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a um, bike race and then a, a running race in the summer, but the original races, um, the ski race, Crested View to Aspen. That I did twice um, back in the late '90s and early 2000s, but I want to go back, and so Willie and I are going to do it. He's he's an army amputee, but he's he's a challenged athlete foundation. Um, you know, he works for them and worked in
0: um, with a lot of athletes, and so he and I are going to work together on that. What uh, yeah. you mentioned that a couple times, the challenged athletes foundation. So, uh, what kind of work do they do? Um, they they support. Um, you know Athletes who have You know
2: Adaptive challenges You can sum it with that They're probably One of the more well-known Organizations In the country um, There are a bunch out, Or a bunch But there are a couple more Organizations Who do that too Yeah,
1: yeah. What was the one That Caitlin Achilles
0: International
1: Achilles International
0: Yeah Okay I know they do a lot of work With blind athletes Ah Yeah And Uh I'm not an expert. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Dave, this yeah. has
1: been great. This has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you joining us. And we like to close our podcast by um, asking our guests to share some unsolicited advice. Uh-huh. And it doesn't have to be about running. Mm-hmm. Any advice that you'd like to share with our audience that it has been helpful to you?
2: Uh, if that's not to do with running, um, I mean it it can. can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um. Okay. Right? Running wise, like I said, keep going, keep showing up. Um, it's 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 you know running is super fun and inspiring. And I mean for me, I guess I've kind of realized I kind of always need to be living where there are trails, and I'll probably be that way the rest of my life, if not even closer to them. Even though I'm only, you know, you're like. 200 feet from trails where we're sitting right now, but, and I'm like,
1: I was in Chautauqua park before this. Yeah. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, put yourself where you're inspired. You you can live in, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, wherever, which many accomplished athletes live in and, you know, Mm -hmm. just get out there, try to stay inspired, get out the door. I, I was thinking about the other day, there's never, it's so easy to, to not go out and there's all these other reasons because you're tired or you worked or too early, but, I I can't think of a, a run that I've never regretted doing once I got out the door. So get out the door, you know.
1: Get out the door. <laughs> yeah,
2: try new sports, try new challenges.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's great advice. Yeah, I, consistency is so key to getting like improvement and like just like you said to show up, like get yourself out there and good things will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Dave.
0: Yeah, thanks for being on the pod. We appreciate it. Yeah.